Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Networks. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Being a Leader live with Brenda Baird, and I'm your host, Brenda Baird. Along with hosting this radio program, I'm a certified professional coach and energy leadership master practitioner. My clients include individuals, teams, and leaders of small or large organizations. I partner with people who want to build their self-confidence, create clarity and purpose, and generally just improve satisfaction in their relationships, life, and career. I help people to find the answers within themselves to make it possible to achieve their dreams. You know, we are going to have a great conversation today. So if you want to join in, if you have a question, here's the number to dial, 646-716-9397, and just press 1 to get into the queue. Now, if you're using your smartphone and you're not able to do both things at the same time, you can just send your questions to Brenda at BrendaBairdCoaching.com, and we'll answer them right on the air. Okay, listeners, using personal strengths to make things happen. Focused development to gain self-awareness and confidence. Always a learner. Living a passionate life. Aligning faith and values with leadership style. These are just a few phrases that begin to describe my guest today, Amy Kemp. Amy is an independent executive senior sales director for Mary Kay Cosmetics. Amy, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Well, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm honored to be here. Can you hear us, Amy? Can you hear me? Can you hear me now, Brenda? Are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? All right. We had just a little bit of a glitch. That's a, <laughs> that happens sometimes. <laughs> no worries. But hopefully no. you could hear your introduction. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be invited. Oh, great. So if you listeners, if you're tuning in for the first time to this show, the show is about leadership. I explore topics that are important to being a great leader. My philosophy is that we're all leaders somewhere in our lives. And most importantly, we are the leaders of our own lives. So today's show is sure to inspire you. I hope that you take the time to sort of reflect on Amy's story and to take some action to lead yourself into living your best life. So Amy, let's talk about taking a leap of faith and aligning our values with the way we conduct ourselves in business and at home. If you could take us back to your background, just those early days, early days, excuse me, and share with the listeners about that tug you felt about wanting something more. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I was privileged uh, to be raised by parents who were both entrepreneurs and really watched them build businesses of their own. Um, My mom also taught high school English and um, before she started her business with Mary Kay. So when I went to college, um, that was kind of my natural career path. I I loved teaching. I loved kids. I loved um, athletics. I was an athlete in college. And so Um, became a high school English teacher. And I really loved the kids. I, I enjoyed interacting with them. I loved challenging them and teaching them. Um, I felt a little frustrated um, by, I guess, the quantity of hours that I was working and how much money I was earning in exchange. I think also, I had a desire to really 
um, have a bigger impact, maybe to have a bigger platform and to kind of expand the influence that I could have. Um, I don't know that I recognize it fully at that time, but um, it just started to feel uncomfortable. Like I was kind of in a little box and I needed to, to have more space to move around and to create and to, to lead more people. Um, and so that was really what triggered my, my desire to start a business. I called my mom who has been with Mary Kay uh, for, she's coming up on about 30 years and uh, I asked her to meet me for, for dinner. And so I, when we sat down, I said, mom, I really think I want to do this. And she said, well, what do you want to do? <laughs> and I said, Mary Kay. And she, I always tease her, but she fell out of her chair. She was so surprised. Um, never thought that I would do it in a million years. Um, but I really needed an outlet. I needed something to fill my cup and to challenge me again. So that was kind of the beginning. Wow. So when you started your business, did you work at it full time or? Yeah, that's a great question. So the first two years of my business, I really worked very part time around my teaching and coaching. Um, I even was working on a second master's degree at that time. Um, I remember thinking, oh, this is one of my moments, but I can remember the day when um, I walked out into the hallway and there was a teacher next door to me and she never stood up from her chair the whole day. Like she sat in her chair the whole day. And I can remember looking in there and thinking, she never stood up and I have been working my tail off. And at the end of this month, her paycheck will be more than mine because she's been here longer. And I was so frustrated by that. Um, And so when I started, it was very part-time. It was when I could squeeze it in around my other obligations. It wasn't really something I saw myself doing part-time to start. Um, And then it kind of grew and grew on the side. Hmm. So you were working part-time at growing the business and you were still teaching. Um, I've heard you say once before that um, you felt like you were limited by the standards that someone else set. And I I remember listening to you say that, and I actually got goosebumps. And so listeners, I'm going to give you Amy's quote again. Amy said at this point, she felt as though she was um, being limited by the standards that someone else set. And so when you think about about the way that you felt that way and you're working part-time and you're still teaching, uh, how did it sort of happen that you then shifted into something else? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, uh, I think I grew internally so much. Uh, I worked a lot on self-development. A lot of the women that I was being exposed to for the first time in my life were leaders that were ambitious, uh, but they were deeply grounded in their faith and in their commitment to their families and their marriages. And that combination was so appealing to me. Uh, That's who I wanted to be. And I wanted to be a lifelong learner. I didn't ever want to settle in and just say, this is it, you know, for the rest of my life, I'm just going to you know, drive this drive, do this for eight hours, and then go home. And so what happened was the business kind of grew. I earned my first career car um, about a year after I started. And then it came to a point, I had a baby, and I came to a point where I had three things on my plate, being a mom, being a teacher, and then being Mary Kay sales director. And I knew at that point, I couldn't do all three of them. So I can remember the the first year that I kind of transitioned, I actually taught part-time and then I was a sales director part-time. And then I had Avery, my daughter, my oldest daughter. And I always call that my year of average (laughs) because (laughs) I, I was so frustrated. Um, I don't like to do anything average. And I, I was so frustrated because I couldn't put the energy and time that I needed into any of those three things. And at all times when I was doing one of them, I was thinking about the other two. And I do not operate very well that way. Um, I don't, I always tell people I do not 
do not believe in guilt. <laughs> I, I want to yep. be fully present with my family when I'm with them. I want to be fully present with my work when I'm with them, but I don't want to feel guilt about the others and all of them were pulling on me at the same time. And so we knew we needed to make a decision. Um, and at that point kind of took the leap of faith to say, okay, I'm going to choose this as my path instead of education. Yeah. Wow. And so uh, really when you think about it, your, your leap of faith was really to just jump both feet into your Mary Kay cosmetic business. And um, I know that they have um, a lot of conferences and stuff. So tell us about that first conference that you went to um, after making this decision. Yeah. So, well, I believe, um, and I've been taught by my parents also that, you know, going to events changes people and being around bigger thinkers, it changes you inside. And I can remember going to seminar, we call it seminar, it's in Dallas, Texas every year. And it was the first time I really saw a uh, crazy as it seems. My mom drove a pink Cadillac. I mean, I grew up in a pink Cadillac, but <laughs> it was like the first time I really saw that there were young women my age that were, I mean, not just being successful, but being wildly successful and doing it in a way where they had integrity and they had, um, they were the kind of people I wanted to be. And so Ryan went with me, my husband, Ryan went with me to that conference and, um, and we pretty much, together decided we're going to take this leap of faith. And, and I will say going back to the quote about being limited by the standards that someone else set, you know, one of the things that was so frustrating to me as a teacher also was that I was being evaluated based on these standardized tests that they were giving my kids um, that, that weren't really accurately measuring what they were learning. Like if you wanted to measure their writing, come and read their writing portfolios. Don't give them a 40 minute writing exercise that means nothing to them. And then tell me whether I'm a good teacher. So yeah. I knew, I knew in there that they were setting the standard for me. One, that was just not excellent. It wasn't being evaluated properly. Um, and it wasn't, it was limiting the impact that I could have because I had to take so much time to teach to this test instead of just teaching what they needed, the communication skills they needed and all of the critical thinking that they needed. And so while there's safety and security there and you have a guarantee uh, in terms of your paycheck and tenure and all of that, there's also great limitations and huge limitations on what your potential is. And I just think sometimes we're so scared to leave the safety net of that guarantee. Um, but in doing that and staying in fear, we, we miss out on this huge potential and opportunity also. Yeah, that is so true. So listen, listeners, if you have any questions for Amy, just dial in 646-716-9397 and press one to get in the queue. So, you know, my coaching practice, Amy, is focused on that very thing. My clients, sometimes they just, they get stuck. You know, there's something that holds them back from seeing a clear perspective of what's really happening around them. It can prevent them from taking the steps to live the life that they really want. Um, some of them feel fear. Some of them feel anxiety about making positive changes even though those changes will ultimately um, give them freedom. And so it's, it's, you, you really have to wonder what's the secret formula for, for having that. But for my clients, coaching is the thing that has helped them to turn the corner. Um, and having great role models, it sounds like, has also been important for you. But can you share with us maybe a time when either before you took the leap or after the leap, are you really struggled to remain confident in your decision and how you overcame that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The first years of transition were very challenging. I think entrepreneurship um, is not for people who are not emotionally strong, <laughs> um, yeah. but you, you develop that muscle of emotional strength through the process of it. Um, I know that 
my advantage in having my mom as my leader in Mary Kay also is that um, I knew it worked. I knew that if I invested the time, it would work. But that those first years of having to provide an income from a relatively new business uh, were very challenging and really um really dug deep in my confidence. This is, I think there are a couple of things I would say that overcame the confidence factor. One is certainly my faith. Um, if you want to talk about a faith journey, <laughs> when your income, you know, suddenly depends on just you producing, that's totally different than just a guaranteed paycheck. And yep. um, I did a lot of praying during that time. And I experienced a ton of spiritual growth because I saw firsthand God's provision that if I was faithful to doing the work, he would provide the income that we needed for our family. Um, not just provide so we could survive, but provide an abundant life. And I think that's important as well. I think that's how we're created to live. So that was huge. Um, the other thing that I did during that time, I really invested heavily in reading a lot of great books. Um, I invested in time, like I would do any kind of challenge that was thrown out there that would put me in the space of people who were doing what I wanted to do. So in our business, that would be maybe a sales director who was earning a top director trip. Well, I wanted to be in her space. So if there was an event where I could qualify to sit at a table with her <laughs> or be uh. with, with the big thinkers, I would do whatever it took to be there because yeah. I knew the prize wasn't in the, you know, it, the prize was in the conversation and the friendships with people who thought differently than I did. So I really yeah. worked hard to put myself in the space of bigger thinkers and, and that was challenging, but that was worth it too, uh, for sure. Yeah. So. yeah. Those are a couple of really, really good points. I know when I started in my own business, I actually tackled, tackled it the same way. Um, I just put myself around the people that I wanted to be like, and they were smarter and more successful. Uh, and I just was like a sponge. I just uh, could absorb the way they spoke, the things they talked about, the books they were talking about. And, you know, and you just, um, you, you just learn through them by their examples, you know, and sometimes you learned how not to be. <laughs> you know, there were some places I went was like, I'm not going to be like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I think those were some really great, great points. Now, those early days of operating the business were really, you know, more around managing yourself. It sounds like um, managing, um, building your reputation, delivering results so that you could create the income stream that you needed for your family. So, uh, but what I hear in the background of all of that, Amy, is that building relationships and building your network of contacts was really important for you in those early days. And I know when mm -hmm. I think about leadership, building strong relationships, I think, is a critical skill for success. So could you talk to us a little bit more about how you went about creating strong relationships as you were building your business? And how that benefited both you and your career, your business and yeah. your career. Yeah, definitely. And this was something I actually started my business right before kind of the, like I went through this recession period of like 2008 and 2009. It was kind of, I started in about 2004. So I still had a relatively new business. And I, I talk about this, the relationship part of my business, because uh, when I was growing my business in those early years, it grew more slowly than some of the people around me. It was very incremental and steady. Um, I grew my customer base around tables. So gathering women around kitchen tables and hearing their stories and connecting. And um, our pastor at church, he said um, this just recently, it just resonated so deeply with me, but he said, when we lose our story, when we lose our, uh, the table, when we lose our time at the table with our family or with people that we care about, we lose our story. And when we lose our story, we lose our faith. And oh. that's how I built my business was around tables. And when he said that, it resonated with me because I thought, yes, yeah, 
when I'm sitting at a table with a woman and teaching her how to take care of her skin, maybe there's a product exchange and all of that. Yes. But more than that, there's a trust developed. And when you build a business um, on, on that kind of relationship and connection with people, then when there's a recession, I actually had my best years ever. And the people around me whose businesses really kind of fell apart during those years that had built it really fast, 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 you know, they, they really lost a ton and, and many of them didn't even make it. And so I, I always say we had our best years, but it's because it wasn't, it wasn't built on flash and, you know, it was built on just listening and, and having conversations and taking time with people to get to know Mm -hmm. them um, and connect with them. So because they want, people want to do business with people that they like, (laughs) you know, they want to businesses that they like more than they, you know, even more than the product itself sometimes. So, yeah. You know, in some of the workshops that we, that I do, we talk about being present and the value of being present. And I think that's one of the values of, of being, being able to be present is for a leader if you don't take the time to do that, you can't build strong relationships. You're not, you're not available for your employees. You're not available for your coworkers. The same, so true at home. If you aren't present with your children, you're just not totally available to them to support them and love them and grow them. And um, so it's just a really good point about how having good, strong relationships and taking the time to build them. And in your case, you even say that was really the foundation of your business to establish trust and to carry you through, you know, one of the valleys, because there's hills and valleys when you're in your own business. Sometimes you're, seems like there's a rush of cash and then other days, you know, you're mm-hmm. scrambling to make payroll. So, um, so true that, that that's the case. So Amy, your business, it looks a far different today than those early days when you had to, when you had to do it all yourself, right? You were packaging things and uh, making the calls and sitting at the table. Um, So as the business begins to grow, there must have been some sort of shift in your energy, you know, as you began to see the business growing and when we're faced with that, whatever our business is, there's this huge chasm, as I call it, that we have to cross over from being an individual or a team player to actually being the leader. Um, mm-hmm. And so can you share with us how it's different for you and how did you actually prepare yourself to make that shift? Yeah, that's been gradual. And I would say something I still am working at. Um, I am an overachiever and I love to just race and go and get things done. And that mindset has to be coupled with a very compassionate, patient um, spirit in order to be a leader. Um, you can't just be out sprinting, you know, ahead of everyone saying, look at me. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not attractive to people and it doesn't compel people to follow you. And in our business, you know, you might earn a diamond ring, let's say, for your personal sales, but in order to do anything really significant in Mary Kay, to earn a car or to earn a pink Cadillac or to go on a top director trip or whatever, it requires you mobilizing a team of people and working with those people to help them what they want in their businesses. And that's not always fast. (laughs) I mean, sometimes just developing those relationships with people um, and walking them through things that seem so elementary to me and simple and like, really, I have to explain this to you? But (laughs) I realized that like I'm part of the 2% that will just go and figure it out. But there's 98% of the people that really want a checklist. They want you to walk them through step-by-step. And when they have a checklist, they feel safe and secure. Just like when you're a teacher, it's the same thing. If you can make your students feel safe and secure, you can do anything because they know you're on their side. And so 
the same thing. If I if I if my consultants feel safe and secure and like they can succeed, they will. And so I see that more of my as my role with them, not enabling them, not doing the work for them, but putting them in an environment that supports them so that they can succeed. I think the other thing that was scary for me was um, I think leaning into the awkward spaces in conversations or with relationships, that was mm. something I really have had to work at and grow. And I still would rather avoid. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I don't want to, I don't like conflict. I want everyone to be happy, you know? And so when there's a situation and I know a consultant is not happy or she's not moving forward and she's stuck um, sometimes you have to really stop and really just ask a lot of questions about what's happening. Um, you don't have to solve the problem. You have to really learn to just help people identify the problem so they can solve it. Um, That's right. They can't figure out what the problem actually is. You know, they, they're looking at it. They, they can't get a global perspective of it. So, um, that's a huge shift, even just in what my days look like. I still work with customers and I still work with products, but more and more time is spent on the phone, um, holding people accountable, uh, asking questions, coaching them through emotions when they come at you with emotion, um, really developing leaders and looking for leaders and helping them develop their skills and walking them through those hard early years too, I would say. So, yeah, yeah. It really is a very difficult shift. Um, all of my professional life has been about um, developing people to do the work the way I would do it myself. And it's a very difficult task because a lot of it becomes second nature to us just as you said and the only way to really I think to um, get people to do the work the way you want it done is you really have to just be able to set clear expectations make sure the environment and the resources are there for them and then provide them with that feedback they need about you know whether they're doing it or not and I, I'm sure you're you've experienced the same thing Anybody that I have ever um, hired or been a part of a team, everyone wants the feedback. It's mm -hmm. one of the hardest things for a leader to give, but the, the employees, or in your case, the consultants, they really do want to know they're either doing it right, or if they're not doing it right, tell me what, how to do it right, because I really mm -hmm. want to meet your expectations. I really believe that. People don't get up in the morning and go to work and say, you know what, I'm going to screw it up today. <laughs> uh, you know, I just don't believe people do that. But I think as leaders, it's one of the uh, really important things that we have to do in setting expectations. And I think, just as you said, the only way to really do that is to build that environment. Um, and they also have to trust you. It's that same building strong relationships. You have to do the same thing with your staff that you do with your customers. Yeah. So definitely. when I, th yeah, when I think about that, I think, I think about the role that communication plays in the, in the workplace. Um, and so I think it is a critical skill for a leader. So what are your thoughts though about communications and what are some of the experiences you've had? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's critical. I think it's, probably more challenging than when I started my business because there's so many avenues of communication now and more than like just communicating it's being heard <laughs> that I feel like uh, is most important, you know, and how yeah. do you, how are you heard through all of the different forms of communication that are available? Um, and that's something I think I'm still working out right now, but right now, especially because I'm leading people from many different generations. So, you know, my older consultants might be in their 70s, and then my youngest consultant just turned 18 last month. And wow. so you've got kind of this huge spectrum. And some of them communicate, you know, they still call people. Yeah. <laughs> some of them text. Some of them use Facebook. Some of them um, – email. You know, I have one of my leaders that 
we basically communicate through email. She's a writer, and so she best can express her thoughts and what she's doing and what she needs help with through email. Um, right. I think a lot of it is kind of figuring out, number one, who is most important for you to be communicating with one-on-one? And mm-hmm. how do they like to be communicated with one-on-one? You know, so that's kind of my top priority are the people that I would spend time with one-on-one, my key people, my leaders. And then next, how am I communicating with important people? Like I have a weekly sales meeting. Well, those, I'm not working one-on-one with all of those people, but they're invested in their business. They're kind of in the middle third, I would say. Um, And then using mass communication and delegated communication to communicate to the masses that maybe are just doing a little bit with their business. But where is like my energy putting the majority of it toward that top 20% of my organization growing there and putting my energy there instead of putting it toward the bottom 20% or the, you know, I think that's really important. Um, But I also think that over communicating a vision is something I teach a lot and talk about a lot. And I do a lot like we're working on a goal right now this month. Um, and today I sent, I posted about it three times on Facebook. I sent an email. I texted about 20 individual people to follow up with them. Um, you know, it's going out through Voxer, which is an app that we use. Like it's going out in so many different ways. Like at the point where I know where it's like, this is annoying. Has I think <laughs> I know someone <laughs> might've read it <laughs> or yeah. like paid attention to it. So It's like you have to so over communicate to be heard in the midst of all of the other things that people are um, getting thrown at them every day. So, yeah. And I think you're right. The over communicating the vision that really is uh, Mm -hmm. what the leader is supposed to do. They develop the, develop the vision sometimes in collaboration, but then to just keep, communicating what that vision is this is where we're headed guys come along with me uh, influencing them in in their behaviors to help reach whatever that vision is you made some really good points that you communicate with your consultants where they're at so five generations in the workplace you have some that aren't comfortable with technology and some that can't imagine ever picking up a landline phone and everything is done through text. So, you know, landing where those consultants are so that you can have that direct contact with them in a way that you know they're going to receive it, I think is a really good point for our listeners. And the other thing that I love that you just shared with us was that you focus a lot of your energy on your top performers. So Mm -hmm. it kind of reminds me of the 80-20 rule, right, where you get – 80% of your results from 20% of your effort. And so, so often when I work with, um, when I was in the corporate world and I would work with managers or leaders there, they would spend so much energy on the low performer and very rarely spend time um, even just recognizing the high performer because oftentimes the high performers really don't need a lot of a lot of push. They really just need recognition and reward and motivation and inspiration. You know, they don't need education. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to say to them, you know, stop spending so much time on the low, the low producers. Uh, get rid of them. <laughs> you know, yeah. find find another job for them that's better suited because this obviously isn't what they want to do. Put that energy on, you know, the middle performer or the top performer and keep people moving moving upwards. So I really commend you for instinctively knowing how to do that um, is, is really, I think, a, a very great leadership point. We actually have a, an email that's come in. So this is yeah. from a young woman in Indiana. Her name is Kelly. And she says, I'm the manager of a small team, four women, two men. This group always has a complaint about something. Sometimes they really get so focused on their problem that they can't even find a solution. Do you have any ideas for dealing with conflict? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So well, how would you answer that one? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. Um, 
I think the first thing um, that I would say is that when I start to feel or see drama or conflict in my team, most of the time it's because I don't have clarity of the vision or we're not making progress toward it. Because when people are clear on a vision and they're working toward it, the cross nitpicking lessens a lot because they don't have time, (laughs) you know, they don't have time and energy to worry about what everyone else is doing or not doing. Um, And it's always a good alarm bell to me when I see that I think, okay, either I'm not committed to this vision, they aren't committed to it. And I need to individually ask them why they don't even know what the vision is, <laughs> you know, yeah, or that's right. the vision is so big that it doesn't feel doable. And so then it's just like, well, forget it. We're just going to sit here and do our thing and complain, you know, because yeah. when people don't feel like they can succeed, then they, they really have to look for other things to do. <laughs> yep. So yep. I, I really, I mean, as hard as that answer sometimes feels to receive, I, I a lot of times will look internally at myself because I think, okay, if they have time and energy to do that, like what, you know, what's happening. And in my, in my career, I can't hire or fire anyone. So I can't speak to that, but I definitely would say that clarity of vision and belief and buy-in get rid of a lot of that. So, yeah, that's a really good point. It really line it lines up with uh, core energy coaching because what you just did is to restate the question from Kelly in a different level of energy. So in this case, there was a, what we would call some catabolic energy or feeling like I'm a victim or I'm at the effect of this team that can't get along. And w- what you did, uh, Amy, is just shifted that to say, nope, that's my, my, that's my reminder. That's my little alarm that goes off that says, oop, I haven't communicated clearly. The vision is too big. I need to chunk it down. I need to talk to them. Something's up. And that is, uh, you know, a higher level of energy where you actually have a mindset that we're both going to win in this situation. You've warned me that something's not right. Now let's work together to fix it. So, uh, that's a great question. I I don't think I've ever seen any group of people come together where there isn't conflict. Um, so my, my two cents on conflict sometimes when you have teams of people is that I I think conflict sometimes can be good. And, and it is good um, because if people aren't throwing out their differences of opinion or their different thoughts about how things can get done, then somebody's being silent. And that's even more deadly than somebody yelling and screaming in a meeting. So conflict can occur. I think it's normal and it's healthy, but how you go about resolving it is as a leader, I think is, um, is really where you get to the sweet spot of conflict. And so what you said, uh, Amy, just, you know, really knocks it out of the park in that you view it as a little uh, bell that goes off that says, oh, I need to take a step back and look at what's happening to this team. Why are they ha- having time and why do they feel the need to complain? So mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I hope that helps. I hope that helps Kelly. So thank you for that email, Kelly from Indiana. So in the core energy leadership program, um, I also try to help my clients understand what their deepest motivations are. And normally it will present out, uh, Amy, in four key areas. One of them is passion. People often want to just tap into their passion, the thing that really makes their heart sing. Um, other, other people really uh, focus on energy, like where do I get my energy from? How do I, how do I get charged up? Um, it builds my energy, and that can be a motivating factor. Some people are looking for fulfillment. Um, that sense of being alive and accomplishing something. They really get great satisfaction from that. And then some of my clients are really, their motivation is that they want to change the world. They want to serve others. They want to tackle a, a, an issue that's of a, you know, maybe it's even a global scale, but they really want to have an impact on another's life. So your business is so absolutely successful today, Amy. What do you see as 
the the thing that motivated you to drive to success? Um, I think it's changed through the years. I think at first it was just, you know, provision for my family. Um, it was very kind of me centric <laughs> at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to build something that we could live on. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a big vision. I yeah. think as as it's grown and, and we were living comfortably and then, you know, you have excess even, I think you come to the place where um, it becomes about purpose for sure. And one of my favorite books is a book called Holy Discontent by Bill Hybels. And he's a pastor at a church in the Chicagoland area. And the whole concept of the book is that the thing that like breaks your heart, like keeps you awake at night. It just drives you like you can't even, it bugs you so much. Like it hurts your heart so much. <laughs> in, in that thing is like where you find your, your purpose or your calling. And the thing that keeps me awake at night, like that keeps me working hard and that keeps me really focused on our next goal and that keeps me thinking about the next leader is untapped leadership potential in women specifically. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I see so many women who have been given this very rare gift of leadership. I don't know rare, but I, I think it's uncommon. I don't think everyone was created to lead, but I see women who are leaders who don't have an arena where they can lead and have an impact. And that's when I go back to the beginning, that's what the problem was when I was teaching. It was that I had this gift, but it couldn't be used in that arena fully. And so it was like, there was like this conflict (laughs) between the two. And so women who are leaders who don't have a, a way or a place where they can lead that isn't restricted by someone else. I think that's the thing that, that really will drive me for the rest of my career. Um, that's why yeah. I can't quit. That's why I have to keep going because because I see that potential. Yeah. You know, they say that um, the definition of a great leader is someone who builds other leaders and that those leaders go on to build other leaders. Um, so, you know, it's just another one of those sweet spots. And, um, yeah, very inspiring, Amy. So our our second email actually comes from someone in Illinois (laughs) and her name is Jenny. Yeah. And she says, when you're looking for someone to join your team, what qualifications or skills do they need? Sounds like we have a future consultant on our hands. (laughs) You know, it's not really even a skill to me, uh, in any business, not just Mary Kay, uh, or any higher, I would say to me, um, there are a few things that I look for. And one of them is influence. You know, does the Mm. person have influence over the people around her? Is she the the natural leader of the group around the table? Um, does Mm. she have a circle of influence maybe that, you know, in, in another arena of her life where she leads and has influence. I think that's huge. And uh, I think the second thing that I look for definitely would be character and relationship, uh, healthy relationships in her life, because mm-hmm. people who come in to our business with unhealthy relationships and dysfunction, then they just bring it in. <laughs> like Yeah, so, it's like a rotten you know, apple. <laughs> I'm going to go do a Mary Kay party. So I'm going to leave that at the door. Like it comes in too. Um, and it carries over. And so I've just, I've really learned to look for people who have healthy relationships in their lives. They develop that with their customers too. Um, and, and the third thing I would say is that fire in your belly that like, I'm scared and I don't know if I can do this, but like the, the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. Like that yeah. fire to like fight through the discomfort to get to a different result. I just, I look for that. It's kind of like the, the phrase right now everyone's using is grit, but you know, it's kind of that, like I'm willing to work through adversity and fear and 
um, maybe even insecurity so that I can change this, a willingness to do that for sure. Yeah. My, I put my clients through a process called the pain gain um, Mm -hmm. method, especially if they're really conflicted over a decision to do one thing or another thing. And this is exactly what we, we roll out. What's the cost and the benefit of staying the same and what's the cost and the benefit of making the change. And then whatever it is that you want to do, how do we build more benefit in one of those two boxes, you know, um, and it really helps them to get clear to see that the pain of staying that they want to go do, um, they just have to overcome that fear and, and, uh, and listen to their intuition um, is also important. So this last email that we have here, um, and I get this question, uh, this topic all the time is what's the difference between being a manager and being a leader? So I really think management and leadership differ in a number of crucial ways. Um, But I think it's something that's very confusing for most people. Um, They have a hard time recognizing, am I leading or am I managing? And I've always described management as sort of that hands-on component of leadership. You know, we're, you're responsible for things like planning, organizing, or controlling Um, where effective leadership is that ability to inspire people to follow you, um, to listen and follow that vision like we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, You're creating that environment. You're bringing about new ideas. uh, You're influencing people and communicating um, the vision and the clarity. So um, I think the great leader is also always thinking ahead, Um, you know, you're always two or three steps ahead of where the team is because you're constantly sort of clearing the path for them to get forward. So um, tenacity is the word that just keeps coming to mind to me for what the difference is between um, having the leadership skill and the management skill. So how would you define that, Amy? What, what, how do you see the difference between management and leadership? Yeah, I think your descriptions are great. Um, I think the only thing I would or could even add is that uh, leaders create growth um, and managers, even just in the word manage, it doesn't mean there's anything new. A leader has to look at a need or a goal or something that isn't there and be able to move a group of people from here to there, um, be able to see what's not there yet and create it with a group of people and Um, There's nothing in the word management that even remotely resembles that. (laughs) It's like a totally different mindset. Um, Like, for example, you could take my business right now. If you were managing it, you would just service my customers and, you know, take care of questions that my consultants might have. And, you know, you would just manage that but you wouldn't be taking them to a new place. You wouldn't be saying, you know what, this is where we are, but we, we can't stay here. We have to go. There's more for us. Like we have more to do. And that's where (laughs) I would see the difference um, in the two. Yeah, I would agree. Well, listeners, you can uh, tune in to being a leader live with Brenda Baird next Tuesday. September 13th, 1 p.m., 12 p.m. Central Time. My special guest will be Bill Gertine. He's the president and CEO of the 800-pound gorilla. And we're going to discuss how being open can lead you down a path to great opportunities and great career satisfaction. You won't want to miss uh, Bill's dose of enthusiasm. I think you know Bill, Amy. Um, I from do. The same, I from definitely the recommend that one. He's really, yeah. uh, he's a leader for sure. Yes. He, he he's, uh, he has an, an incredible story just like, just like yours. That's for sure. So any final thoughts, Amy, that you want to share with anybody out there who, you know, male or, or female, who are sort of in this place where they're thinking there really has to be something else for me, something more for me. Any final thoughts for those folks today? I think I would just close um, with the really short story of a day when I went to a leadership conference and 
I was listening to Pastor John Ortberg talk, and it was not the main point of his message, but, you know, I just felt like I was sitting alone in the crowd when he said it. Like, he was just talking to me, and a spotlight went on me. It, it, <laughs> I, it literally about shook me to my toes. And this would go, his quote was, if you are a woman and you have been given the gift of leadership, then for God's sake, lead. And yeah. I think you could say that doesn't have to be just women, but if you are a leader, like if God has given you the gift of leadership, it's, it's selfish for you to not fully use that gift, like to its full capacity to not max it out. Like it's completely selfish for you to live in fear because leaders determine I mean, everything rises and falls with leadership. It really does. And and if you're yeah. playing small, you know, thousands of people, millions of people could be impacted by your fear. And, and I yep. just think it's a tragedy. So, it, you know, if you've been given that gift of leadership, then for God's sake, lead. Yeah. Oh, that's a great quote. I'm going to write that down. I'm going to add that next to my Amy Kemp quote. <laughs> Don't be limited by the standards that others set. Yeah. Oh, that's fabulous. <laughs> so Amy, where can people get more information about your business? Sure. Um, you can contact me through my website, which is www.maryk.com forward slash Amy Kemp, A-M-Y-K-E-M-P. Um, or you can find me on Facebook also under my name, which is Amy Johnson Kemp on Facebook. And um, I'd be happy to answer questions or communicate with you through either of those for sure. Oh, that's great. So listeners, if you want to stay connected to the show, uh, Being a Leader Live with Brenda Baird, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter or visit brindabairdcoaching.com. On the website, brindabairdcoaching.com, you can also find an archive of this radio show and all the other previous radio shows, along with more information about life coaching and how it might help you to be your best self. Amy, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today. I hope you will come back again soon. Um, It's just really been a great show. Well, thank you so much, Brenda. Thanks again. Yes, you're a phenomenal leader and a really great role model for other women out there who are who are standing on the sidelines and thinking there has to be something more for me. So I hope that uh, if we just helped one woman to cross over that line, uh, we've done our job today. So thank you, Amy, for being there. I think that's a wrap, Tommy. So until next time, everybody, be safe and have fun. And again, thank you, Amy. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.